Thank you for choosing to listen to today's message by Reverend Dr. David Entry. We know you will be blessed as you seek and serve God. We believe that this message will stir up a desire for more of God, even as you listen. Be blessed. Well, from the title, you can tell how do you study or how to study the Bible? How to study your Bible? How do you study your Bible? It's The Bible is a very important aspect of spiritual life or Christian life. You can never be a Christian without the Bible. Any great thing you see God doing with anybody on earth is a function of the Bible. I can thank, I thankfully say that I am a product of this book. Hallelujah. Caris Church, we are a product of this book. Many great, 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 great churches, organizations, and even countries and cities and families are a product of this book. When it comes to the Bible or Christianity, there are doctrines, teachings of Christianity. Okay, Christianity has everything to do with teachings and doctrines. So they're inspired by the Holy Spirit. So your doctrine and your teaching will determine your the quality of your life and actually determine the outcome of your destiny. All right, De- doctrine matters. So Paul kept warning the pastor, Timothy, that make sure you give yourself to sound doctrine, doctrine and shun people who do, are not given to sound doctrine. The only place where we are categorically instructed by scripture to seize relationship and fellowship with others, other believers, is when they compromise in the area of doctrine. So doctrine and teaching is important. Somewhere in Timothy, Paul said that in the latter times, I think first Timothy chapter 3 from verse 1 or chapter 4 from verse 1 or second Timothy chapter 3, verse 3, 4, 1, somewhere there. So in the latter time, the Spirit says, expressly says that uh, perilous times will come. Many people will depart from the truth and be given to doctrines taught by devils. I think... It would be nice to see it. In the book of First Timothy chapter 4, verse 1, it says that, Now the Spirit speaks expressly that in the latter times some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits, and guess what? Doctrines of devils. Doctrines of devils. So, Satan and demons manage to teach doctrines. And it says some, that's talking about, this some here is talking about some in the church will depart from the faith, will deviate from the faith, will swear from the faith. And let me use last teaching's word, will turn their back on the faith. A feast to me. They will turn their back, turn away from God. Why? Because of doctrines taught by devils. Hallelujah. Very, very important. Because of doctrines taught by devils. Look at the second Timothy chapter four. It says that um Preach the word. I charge thee, I charge thee therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick and the dead at his appearing and his kingdom. Preach the word. Be instant in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, reprove, rebuke, exalt with all long suffering and doctrine. What pastor, whatever you are saying to the church members, you are doing with church people and church life, make sure it is with long suffering and doctrine. Doctrine must under get everything we do. Our singing, our music, our fellowship, our giving, our uh, relationships, our praying, it must be underpinned and undergirded by doctrine. So that means that doctrine is not something that, oh, as for me, I'm not giving to it, or doctrine is not something that can be trivialized. Now, when we talk about doctrine in Christianity, there are essential doctrine and non-essential doctrines. When it comes to non-essential doctrines, we have love. For instance, if someone says that I do not eat meat or I do not eat salt because of my Christian and religious belief, these are non-essential doctrines and we show love. 
We should understand it. Some people say we worship only on Saturdays because Saturday is the Sabbath day for worship. This is non-essential doctrine. It this does not define your salvation. Right? So these are non-essential doctrines. Some people said, I don't believe in tongues. Others said, I do believe in tongues. Even some people said, we don't believe in miracles. Others said, we do we, be, we believe in miracles. Some people say, um, infant baptism, which is pedo baptism. And others say, you know, believer's baptism, after you become a believer before you are baptized, credo baptism. Is it pedo baptism or credo baptism? These things are non-essential doctrines, even though they matter and they are important and are taught by scripture. They are non-essential. When it comes to non-essentials, we, 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 we can show love. But when it comes to the essential doctrines, I cannot have fellowship with someone who is flouting or who is um, who differ with me when it comes to essential doctrines. For instance, what are some of the essential doctrines? That God is one, three in one. Okay, God is one. Um, um, that Jesus is the Son of God, truly man and truly God. He came to die for us. Born of the Holy Spirit. Conceive of the Holy Spirit, born like the Apostles' Creed. I believe in the Lord. Uh, I believe in God, the Father Almighty, Creator of heaven and earth. This is essential. If you don't believe God created the heaven and earth, it's a, it's a problem with your Christianity. Creator of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, His only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy of the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. The third day, He rose again. From from the dead. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the living and the death. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Universal Church, the communion, that's the fellowship, the communion of saints, what we are doing. And when uh, when there's no lockdown, real fellowship, okay, is the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body and life everlasting. These things are cardinal, essential doctrines of Christianity. But above all of them, if we are to rate the most essential doctrine of Christianity, listen to this, the most essential, the heavyweight, the most critical doctrine of Christianity is the word of God, being the Bible being the pure, infallible, inerrant word of God. Okay? The pure, infallible, inerrant word of God, inerrant in its original, okay? And it has the final authority on all subjects and matters it addresses, okay? Now, that is essential doctrine. The most essential and critical of all Christian doctrines is the doctrine of the Bible being the word of God. The next of them is God, the doctrine of God, the doctrine about God, who is God the Father. So, if you don't under, if the Bible is not essential, the final, how can you even know this God we are talking about? Because the only way he reveals, all right, the main way he reveals himself personally to people is through the word of God. He cannot have a relationship with you outside of his word. So everything, every other book, any religious book written, it is not the word of God. This is the only, the Bible is the only pure, infallible, authentic, inerrant word of God. And it does not, it is true in on, in, on every matter it addresses and it is the final authority when it comes to the subject it addresses. And the next is God, the Father, God, the Son, God, the Holy Spirit. God, eternal God, exists in three persons. That is the doctrine of God. The Father Almighty who created the heavens and the earth and he created us in his image. And the third most essential doctrine of Christianity is uh, is Jesus Christ the Savior. Jesus Christ the truly God, truly man, okay? Truly God, truly man, born of the Virgin Mary, died a vicarious de- death for 
penal, uh, a penal substitutional death. Okay, so a vicarious death. He died to in our place for forgiveness of sins, for our redemption, and for the atonement. Hallelujah! That's Jesus Christ. He was buried. He resurrected from the dead. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father Almighty. From thence he will come back to judge the living and the dead. This is Christology. That is the third most essential and critical doctrine of Christianity. And then the fourth is our salvation. How we are saved. Soteriology. How we are saved. But coming back, I don't want to go too much too far into that. Coming back to what I'm talking about. Um, the Bible. So the only way God can personally, there are other ways God reveals himself, but that's the general revelation of God. When you, according to Romans chapter 1, verse 19 and 20, it says the invisible things of God, attributes of God are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made. So from from the creation, what God, you can't see God, but you can see his fingerprints, his fingerprints or thumbprints on everything natural. So nature, when people say, oh, I, I'm tra- oh we are traveling to go in uh, the beauty of nature, admire the beauty of nature, is an aspect of God's creation, or it's depicting the existence of God. Your shoe tell us God exists. Hallelujah. Yes. Your, your dress, your, your wig, I mean, yes, your wig, it tells us God is Everything physical has the thumbprint or fingerprint of God. But that is that knowledge of God, watch this, knowing God through the general revelation is good enough to damn you, not to save you. Is good enough for, to condemn you, not to save you. The only way one can be saved is to know God by revelation through his word. Through his word. Everything has been prophesied, promised, but God manifested his word through preaching. How can they call on him on whom they have not believed? How can they believe in whom they have not uh, heard? How can, of whom they have not heard? Uh, how can they hear without a preacher? Okay, so so the preacher is meant to, to speak the word of God, revealing the word of God. It's called the gospel, who Christ is from the text, from the scriptures. And it takes that to be saved. So the general knowledge of God, the general revelation of God does not save. It's good enough to condemn. How does it condemn? It points to you that God exists and you never came towards him. You never accepted him. God exists. You cannot say God does not exist. You can never, nobody can ever say, I did not know God exists. Even the more you try to do research and study science, the more you come to realization that there is a God somewhere. So science, everything tells us there is a God. So why why is it that people don't believe? Because they choose not to. Unbelief is a choice. They choose not to. And God said, well, um, what, this is what happens when you die. If you don't accept God here, when you die, those or let me put this: those who do not say your will be done on earth, when they die and they go to heaven, God will say your will be done. If we fail to say your will be done on earth when we die, He will tell us your will be done after death. Your will be done. That's what you wanted. Okay, so you cannot. No one can claim. I didn't know God exists because as for the knowledge of God, Bible says that he is the light. John chapter one, I think verse nine, he is the light that lighteneth everyone who comes into the world. So once you are coming, there is a sense of Godness deep, very deep. It's not, it has not got to do with nature or, or culture. It has to do with human sensibility. As once you become aware of yourself and aware of your environment and your surroundings and you become you grow into awareness. One of the things that you begin to realize is that there is God. Because nature tells us there is God. 
right back to what I'm talking about. So you need God's word in order to be saved. You need God's word. And the only way, as I said in our previous teaching, Hebrews chapter 1 verse 1, God who in times past, in various ways, diverse ways. So in times past, God revealed himself in various ways. Theologians call it dispensational revelations. So there are different dispensations. Dispensation is like the, the govern, government, how God related with his people at a certain point in time. So the way God is relating to humanity now is different from how he related to Adam and different from how he related between um, Adam and Abraham and which is different from how he related to the people of Israel when after they have been redeemed from bondage, which is different from how it's relating to us. So we have the dispensation of law. We are in the church age, the dispensation of grace. He's dealing with us based on the dispensation, the governmental dispensation of grace. That is important. So in time past, in various ways, so there are different ways God dealt with humanity in the past. That is why there are things he said they should do, which now you can't do. Those days, the walls of Jericho came down and everybody in Jericho, apart from Rahab and the people, perished. Why? Because that's how God was dealing with them against the Gentiles. But now, God does not wish that any should perish. And God does not deal with anybody like that because Christ has come and the curtain has been opened into the holies of holies. So, God deals with us in dispensations. Alright. So, Hebrews chapter 1 verse 1 says that in times past, God dealt with our fathers or spoke to our fathers in various ways by the prophets. But now, in these days, has spoken to us, in these last days, has spoken to us, verse 2, by his son, Jesus Christ. So, um, who is appointed heir of all things. So, he's speaking to us by Jesus Christ. And I mentioned in the previous teaching that God is a speaking God. He is always speaking. The only way God can be revealed is through his speaking. Once, if God does not speak, he remains a mystery. God remains a mystery in the aspect absence of his speaking. When he speaks, he gets revealed. When he speaks, that's very important. God gets revealed through his speaking. And this is the speaking, the revelation of God through ways to us. So the Bible is important. Now, I also want you, I want to underscore a point here before we go further in. Number one, the word Bible is translated from the Greek, Greek Biblia, okay, Biblios, that's singular, Biblia, plural, very important. So the Bible, the word Bible was not translated from Biblios, but was translated from Biblia. Bible is a collection of books. In other words, it's a library. It's a library of 66 books. That's the Bible. The Bible is not just, let's say, a book per se. It is a collection of 66 books with various authors, different authors who lived, some of whom li who lived of about a thousand years apart or 1,400 years apart from the other. Different backgrounds, different uh, uh, geographical uh, location, different people. Some were kings, some were slaves, some were prisoners, some were fathers, some were, were uh, merchants, some were poets, some were songwriters, some were uh, uh, butlers, different, different people God used, but yet they all spoke one language. So the point I want to make here is that the Bible is a collection of books. Very important. So for instance, I would say, let's look at the book of Timothy, the book of um, Jeremiah, the book of Isaiah, because it's a book. Okay. Now, the next point I want us to underscore, understand is this that the 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 bible is the living word of god okay the bible is the living word of god in first peter chapter 1 verse 23 he said we are not we are born again by the incorruptible seed of god's word which is living so the word is living it has life it's alive okay that is why every pastor and every preacher must let the bible do do speaking so when we allow the 
Bible to speak. It's only the words from God that has life. Other words don't have life. It's this word. The word of God is living. The word of God is living. In Hebrews chapter 4 verse 12, it says that the word of God is living and is sharper than any two-edged sword. Yes, it said it's living. I think translation NIV is living and sharper than any two-edged sword. The word of God has life. It's living. It's, it's, it's living. It's the living word. But it's not only the living word. It's also the word of life. First John chapter 1 verse 1. It says that what we have seen from the beginning that we declare of the word which our hands have handled of the word of life. So the word is of the word of life. In Philippians chapter 2 verse 16, it talks about the word being the word of life. It is the word of life. So and in Ephesians chapter 1 verse 13, it also um I'm sorry, um, John chapter 6, verse 63. When the disciples, after Jesus preached a very powerful message, and some of the Bible says many of his, his disciples left him, and he asked the 12, are you also going to go? Verse 68, Peter said, to whom shall we go? You have got the words of life. The words of life. So the word, is, the word of God is a living word, but it's not only living, it's also a word of life. It gives life. Wherever it gets to, that's the point. Wherever the word of God gets to, it gives life. You remember how Jesus said, I am the bread of life. Yeah. He said, I am the bread of life. And then another, John chapter 6, then he said, I am the living bread. There is a difference between the living bread and the bread of life. The bread of life is the bread that gives life. The living bread is the bread that is alive. He has legs. He has feet. Somebody puts it this way. The word of God is so living. I, uh, I, I When I go to it, I realize I, I don't read it. It rather reads me. The word of God reads me. The other time I said, uh, is it Martin Luther who said, the word of God has hands. It grabs me. The word of God has eyes. It watches me. The word of God has feet. It runs after me. The word of God is living. So the word of God is living. That is why every, every one of us, every Christian must go to the word. Your pastor's word is not enough. The bishop's word is not, is not enough. Enough. Other people, preachers' words are not enough. The words of the preachers and the words of the pastors are meant to drive you closer into the, the word of life. So we preach the word so that you, when you go to the actual source, you can have an understanding to navigate yourself through the word because the word is life. Hallelujah. So number one, the, the Biblia, is a, the Bible is a, is a library. Number two, the Bible is the word of God, which is the word of life and is the living word. Number three, I'm going to say something interesting. I'm going to throw in some heavy words, okay? No, Latin words. You know, sometimes I like to mention some of these words. Um, if they are too heavy for your ears, just ignore, ignore it and then <laughs> listen to what I'm going to say. All right, but remember, I mentioned it. Now, during the reform, times of the Reformation, they came out with some words. Like I was saying the other time, uh, they said things like sola fide, only faith, or by faith alone, sola grace by grace alone, sola de gloria, to the glory of God alone, solos Christos, that is through Christ alone. That's how salvation comes. And then one more they add, sola scriptura, sola scriptura, 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 sola scriptura means the scriptures and only the scripture. Okay, the, the scriptures, so the Bible and the Bible only, the Bible. So everything you need to know about God, everything, the authenticity of everything you need to know about God comes from the Bible and the Bible only. Sola Scriptura. That's very, 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 very important. Okay, so number one word I want you to notice is Sola Scriptura, which is the, the Bible and the Bible only. Geographic books, history books, they might all be good. Extra biblical information are all good. But to know God salvifically, to know God truly for your salvation and for your deep relationship, it's the scripture and scripture alone. Other things might come in to support the scripture, not even preaching. Other things might come in to support the scripture. But is there so that's why I said whom we preach, Colossians chapter 1, verse 20. 
8, whom we preach, whom we declare, whom we proclaim. That's Christ. So the preaching of God's word must be the preaching of Christ. The preaching of God's word must be not the preaching of money, not the preaching of uh, favor, uh, breakthrough, prosperity. All those things are necessary and important and can be of God. However, the fundamental of all preaching is the preaching of Christ, the declaring of Christ, who is the word, the preaching of the word of God. So the angel told Peter, go and stand in the temple and tell the people this, the words of this life, the words of this life. Acts chapter 5 verse 20. Go and tell them they need to hear the words of this life. So um, it's, the, it's a library and it's a living word and guess what? The next point I want to make these words are, as I said, yeah, solar, uh, solar scriptura. But they didn't only have solar, solar scriptura. When it comes to the title I'm dealing with, solar scriptura, but we also have total scriptura. Total scriptura. What is total scriptura? Total scriptura means that the entire Bible, that is the Old and the New Testament in its entirety was inspired. It's not like someone slept one day and then he said, I feel like writing something and just wrote by their own selves from themselves. No. Bible says in um, First Peter, sorry, Second Peter chapter 1, that whole, verse 21, holy men of God were moved by the Holy Spirit. And in Second Timothy chapter 3, verse 16, he said, all scripture, all scripture, paragrapha, all scripture, that's the Hebrew, sorry, the Greek, paragrapha theonupsis, paragrapha theonupsis, all scripture is God breathed, God breathed it out, all scripture. So the, 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 the scholars, the theologians, the Christian theologians came out with this, uh, came up with this word, uh, with this phrase, um, total scriptura. So all scripture, total scriptura, all scripture is given by God. It's very important. Don't let the devil, the devil's number one target is God's word. Guess what? When he came into the Garden of Eden, when the devil showed up, he showed up in human history. The first appearance of the devil, guess what, was to come and attack God's word. He said, did, has God really said? Has he indeed said? He questioned the integrity. Oh, Kadaba. The devil always would love to question the integrity of God's word. When Jesus was baptized in Luke chapter 3 and Matthew chapter 3, Bible says the heaven was open and the, a voice came from, uh, the Holy Spirit descended in a bodily form like a dove from verse 21 of Luke chapter 3 and a voice came from heaven and said this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased and then Luke chapter 4 verse 2 Satan came to him and said to him 2 and 3 that if you are the son of God oh by a word had just come to him that he is the son of God Satan's favorite thing is to attack the word of God that is why many people unbelievers oh you can't take the Bible serious you can't believe the Bible that's, that's, that's Satan's language they sound exactly like Satan exactly you might not you might not be Satan. You might not be intentional to sound like Satan, but actually you are mimicking. You are replay, you are just mimicking Satan. You are speaking on the behalf of Satan. Because Satan, his language is Ha, the word of God? No, no, don't believe this. God is lying. He can how can you tell me? How, how can you tell me this book? God, God, did God write it himself? How can you tell me this book came from God? How can you tell me it's a book of God? Most of the people, if the problem is many people who say they don't even believe the Bible have not actually taken their time, their, their time to read the Bible. And number two, and many people who actually believe the Bible actually also don't read the Bible, have not been reading the Bible. That is the purpose of this lesson. That's why we have to challenge people to go back go back to your word go back have a personal relationship with the bible amen so total scriptura so we have solar scriptura total scriptura which means the entirety of the bible both the old and the new is inspired and then we have um the uh, uh, um analogia scriptura analogia that's very important word the analogy of scripture and Analogia scriptura. What does analogia scriptura mean? Analogia scriptura means that the Bible has harmony. Anything you see the Bible saying in Revelation or in Third John is, is agrees with what is said in Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus. Every aspect of the Bible is in all the entire Bible is in total 
perfect unity and harmony. In other words, the Bible speaks with one voice. Somebody say, but the Bible contradicts itself. Prove to me, show me. See, most of the time when people say the Bible contradicts, I, I can't even give you one scripture. In Proverbs chapter, I think 26, verse 4 and 5. I hope it will be a blessing to you. Proverbs chapter 26, verse 4 and 5 says that. Answer, answer not a... a um, Answer not a fool according to his folly, lest thou be like him, like unto him. Do you see that? Answer not a fool according to his folly. When you are answering a fool, don't answer him according to his folly. Look at the next verse. It will surprise you. Answer a fool according to his folly. Is that not a contradiction? It looks like oh, the Bible is contradictory. How can he say, and answer not a fool? In Isaiah chapter 46, yeah, I think chapter 46 or so, it says that, uh, or 54, from somewhere there, it says that, I am the Lord, the, the, the Lord who creates evil and good. Sometimes if you don't understand, when you are reading the Bible, I'll go into that in our next session, okay? The, the Bible is has different genres, literary genres. So some is proverbs, some is history, some if some some if it's letters, some are songs, some are, are narratives. Okay, that's history. Uh, 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 some are apocalyptic. So if you are not if you are not careful, you have to know what book you are reading. If you are reading a poem, you don't read a poem like you read history. Because and so, for instance, Proverbs, the book of Proverbs is Proverbs. It's not promise. Some people would take Proverbs as promise, but it's not a book of promise. And when we say Proverbs, Proverbs means that something that is generally true, but doesn't mean it's always specifically true. So a proverb is, for instance, more haste, less speed. That means that the more you are in a hurry, the more you can you may go slow. It's generally true, but it's it's not specifically always true. There are times you move faster, you're actually going fast. <laughs> so that's Proverbs for you. So sometimes when you read a proverb, you must understand the context in which it's written. When it comes to interpretation, I might, I might go into that and touch a bit more of that. But coming back to what I'm saying, they'll tell you the Bible contradicts itself. The Bible is, uh, is an, uh, the, the analogy of scripture. So analogia scriptura, it's one way, it speaks with one voice. There's no part of the Bible that contradicts any part of the Bible speaks with one word. And then the final word I want to mention, the final phrase. So the first Latin phrase is, is sola scriptura. And second one, total scriptura. Third one, analogia scriptura. Are you ready for the, the, the fourth one? That's quite a, a mouthful, okay? It's, um, it is it's, it's spiritualia, spirit, spiritualite, examiner too. <laughs> Spiritual. <laughs> And you and you to be heavy. Spiritualia, spiritualite, examinatu. Spiritualia, spiritualite, examinatu. What is the meaning? Very important meaning. The meaning is the Bible can only be un uh, understood by someone whose spirit is open to God with reverence. The Bible can only be understood. So it's not everybody who understands. Oh, I read the Bible, I didn't get it. Yes, because the Bible can only be understood. And I'll keep coming to some of these words, okay, in our teaching. The Bible can only be understood by somebody whose spirit is open to God with reverence, with awe, with reverence. I'm not coming to the Bible to come and find fault and challenge it. You won't find anything. You won't understand it. I'm coming to look for God. I'm coming and God speak to me. I want God to speak to me. So number one principle of studying your Bible, when you want to study the Bible, when you want to, when you want to, when you want to get grasp to the uh, grips of the Bible, is to uh, approach it, okay? Approach it with Spirita, spiritualia, spiritualia, spirit, spirit, examinatu, spiritualia, spiritualite, examinatu, which is the only one the Bible can only be understood by someone whose spirit is open to God with reverence. And in other words, it takes spirituality to understand spiritual things, like First Corinthians chapter two verse fourteen says. It takes spirituality to understand spiritual spiritual things. Bible says that. 
explaining First uh, Corinthians chapter 2 said comparing spiritual with the spiritual spiritual things with the spiritual so spiritualia spirit uh, spiritual light examiner to spiritualia spiritual light examiner to is important it's good to understand that these are Latin words that depict something so solar scriptura total scriptura analogia analogia uh, scriptura and spiritualia spirit 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 spiritualia spirita spirita light examiner to these are important words to understand when it comes to approaching the scriptures and wanting to go further into the word of God it's important and so the Bible is is, um, is a library the Bible is the living word and now and, and the Bible needs to be understood but there's a certain approach to give to the Bible in order to appreciate it as the word of God God delights for us to know him actually it is the will of God and the delight of God for us to know him it is not enough to be a believer of the Bible you must be a reader there are people who say I believe but they are not reading you see if you if you misunderstand the Bible it's almost putting you in the category of not believing because when you believe what do you believe Bible says that these things are written that you will believe so these things things these things things are written that we believe these things are written John chapter 20 verse 29 30 31 these things are written that you will believe so you have to know what is written in order to believe don't just be a believer don't just be a Bible believer. Be a Bible believer who is a Bible reader. And as you become a Bible reader, your reading of Bible and understanding the Bible with that principle. Spiritualia, spiritualia, spiritualites, I'm examiner too. As you read the Bible with your spiritual, uh, spiritual approach, open-hearted reverence to God, guess what? You begin to get greater insights and get closer to God because they that know their God shall be strong and you have to know him. You have to know, you can't afford not to know God and the only way to know God, the main way to know God is not through just preaching. I'll show you the value and the importance of preaching, but it's actually a personal opening your eyes into God's word. So then, if you don't read your Bible daily, I'm telling you, you are running at a, at a deficit, at a, at a loss, as a believer. It will affect the quality of your belief because your the quality of your insight and understanding into scripture is minimal. So, God always wants us to um, know him through his word. When you come to the Bible, one of the things you also have to understand is this Bible was not written yesterday. So you will not see the Bible talking about internet, talking about mobile phones, talking about telephones, talking about aeroplanes, helicopters, um, and guess um, whatever, television. All right. The Bible won't talk about those things because they are foreign to the Bible. So in other words, the Bible is actually foreign, it's alien to us. I'll explain it. The things written in the Bible were written many years. We're talking about uh, uh, some of it is about 3,000, 4,000 years ago. That is very remote from us in a land that is from where I'm preaching. I'm reaching from United Kingdom, London, and Israel is thousands of miles away or kilometers away. Israel is very far from here. And the Bible was written in some, somewhere that far. So it's like it's so remote from me. The language, and then in a language, originally in an original language, originally in a language that is very foreign to me. So it looks like the people are foreign, the customs are foreign, the the the, the geography of the Bible is foreign, the history of the Bible is foreign, the language of the Bible is foreign, and yet I have to understand, I have to get closer to go through it. So it requires a bit of work. And so that means that to study your Bible, there must be a, a principles guiding your studies of Bible, because it is easy for people to, in theological circles, I've mentioned it before, it's called ACGesus, to read into 
the text what you want the text to say. Whilst exegesis is to read out of the text, not adding to it. You are just reading what the Bible is saying. That is exegesis. And there are a lot of people who are doing dishonest exegesis. They are reading what the Bible actually is not saying and just twisting words. And it's easy to make the Bible, watch this, it can be kind of easy to make the Bible say what you want it to say. So dishonest exegesis. Dishonest exegesis. There's something theologians call atomism. Atomism. Atomism is where it's just like an atom. Atom. You you pick a text and oh that, you see that's what it says and then you run with it in spite of whatever any other thing will say. This is what the that I found in the Bible. But have you read it in light of other contexts? For instance, in First Corinthians chapter 15 verse 29, it says that uh, baptizing for the dead. Okay, the dead be baptized or baptizing for the dead. It doesn't mean someone dies and another person can be baptized on their behalf. So you may see that and say, oh yeah, that's what it says. Well, I can get my uncle, my grandfather uh, who died, who wasn't born again, someone get baptized for him. No, no, that's not what he's saying. So if you take it out of context, you you are, you are that's what we call uh, the uh, atomism. You are atomizing the scripture, uh, atomism. You are taking it out of context, make it a, a, a stand alone something and run with it. And that is a dangerous uh, uh, precedent. You always have to read the Bible bearing in mind that it has a theme and somebody wrote it. So it's called the author, the author of the Bible. There are two authors of the Bible. The first author is with small a. The, the, the main author is a capital A, which is God. So God authored the word, the, his word through human agents. Holy, remember 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 21. Holy men were carried by the Spirit of God. They were moved by the Spirit of God. So the Bible was written by God through human instruments, through human agents, for men, okay, like Jesus, God came in the form of a man to reach out to man. So his word also was given to man uh, through men. That is very important. So when you hear people say, but this some people wrote it, King James is a crook and all that. Don't mind them, don't mind them, don't mind them. Let's let's just approach the word of God with integrity. So as I said, um, people would pick, you pick a text and then run with it and say, no, that's it. No, you can't do that. That If you read the scripture or uh, 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 atomizing, okay, if you do that, that kind of thing, what happens is that you are... Um, if you read the scripture with atomism, what happens is that you are undermining the entirety of scripture because you can't take one and say that is it. Meanwhile, the other there's a scripture, other scripture says something that is not necessarily the same. So that means that this cannot mean cannot mean what you are trying to run with. All right. So that's why that is why we have to understand the apologia scriptura. That means that the scripture is uh, the, the harmony of scripture. It speaks with one voice. So if you are reading something and you are thinking this is what he's saying, it's not what does it can't mean that because it contradicts other ones. So if this one is saying that, then that means this is not what the scripture is meaning. Read it within the context. I think this is very important. That's what people do. And they begin to take the scripture out of context and run with all kinds of things. So it's important that every believer will lay hold of the scripture or lay uh, uh, come to grips with what the scripture is saying. You will not understand everything in a day. It takes time. According to Isaiah chapter 28 verse, I think, 8, 9, 10. It's a precept upon precept. Here a little, there a little. Precept upon precept. Precept upon precept. Gradually. As I said the other time, uh, I heard that um, Washington, uh, George Washington, former president of, of America, said that when you read the Bible, just gather as much as you can get. And the rest, you can't get it accepted by faith. Accepted by faith. But what happens is that does that mean what you didn't understand doesn't have a meaning? Every word in the Bible has a meaning. May I say this before I, I continue to bring things to a close. Re remember that the Bible may have 10,000 applications, but certainly only one meaning. 
Okay. So every verse of the Bible might have 10,000 applications. You can apply it in 10,000 ways, but certainly the meaning is one. So when the Bible says, for God so loved the world, what does it mean by that? It means exactly what it said, for God so loved the world and nothing else. <laughs> nothing else. There are things, some things called allegorization of scripture. Oh, I, 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 I reading scripture with analogy, trying to read deeper spiritual meaning more than, like I said the other time, I, think, I don't think I've said it yet on this platform, where um, somebody was studying the Bible, was trying to study the Bible, and then he was reading a commentary, and in Songs of Solomon, chapter one, there's a place where he says that he puts his head, uh, my beloved put his head in between my breasts, and the, the commentator said, the in between my breasts, the breast means the Old and the New Testament, and my beloved puts his head in between my breast. Means he puts his head in between the Old and the. Come on, no, no, that's not what he means. Actually, means he puts his lay his head on my breast. <laughs> so you are when you are reading poetry or you are reading songs, read it like songs. Okay, it's not didactic or it's not instructive. It is songs. I'll go into that later. Um, but so we have to understand that the Bible can have. 10,000 applications, but it's certainly every word, every, every verse of the Bible has one meaning. Um, let me just, uh, I want to, I'll be ending very soon. Let me just mention to you as well that um, grasping, how to grasp the word of God. Now, you see, if I hold the Bible with this, my finger, how easy is it for you to snatch it, for someone to snatch it from my hands? It's very easy. Very, very easy. Simple. All you have to do, you don't even have to snatch it. You have to just take it. Yeah. I'm holding it like this with one, one finger. You just take it. Okay. How about if I'm holding it with two fingers? It might be a bit easy, but it will, it will, be, it will not be as easy as when I'm holding one finger. What if I add three? I'm holding with three fingers. Oh, okay. So it is a bit more difficult to snatch it from my hands when I'm holding with three fingers than when I'm holding with two. How about if I, draw, I, I, I hold it with four fingers? It is harder. And how about if I hold it with all my hand, my arm, my hand? Okay, I hold it with all fingers. That's even harder. Now, first finger is to, I'm just giving you ways how to come to grips with the word of God. Number one, you have to hear it. So that's, when you are hearing the word, the word of God, it's like you're holding one finger. Okay, and then you have to read it. When you, have hear, when you hear it and read it, it's like you're holding it with two fingers. Okay, you're holding it with two fingers. When you, uh, and then uh, when you study it, there's a difference between reading the Bible and studying it. I, I, I will mention briefly how to read it and I'll mention how to study it. There's a difference between reading. So when you, uh, you hear it, you're holding one finger. You, you read it, you're holding with two fingers. You hear and read it. You hear, read and study it, you're holding with three fingers. You hear, read, study and meditate or teach it. It, share it. You are holding it with four fingers. Hear, read, study, share, and apply it. You are holding it with five fingers. Nobody can strike. The devil cannot take it from you. Bible says that the enemy comes to steal the word. The enemy. Bible. Jesus told the parable of someone where a sower went to sow the seed. He said those that fall by the roadside are those who, when they heard the word, immediately the enemy come. The enemy come to steal the word. Amen. So, the devil loves to steal God's word from God's people. And so you have to be able to hold it firmly. How do you hold it firmly? By reading it, by hearing it, by reading it, by studying it, by sharing it, and by applying it. Hallelujah. Or sharing it, I prefer using teaching it, and then applying it. Hallelujah. So, now, quickly, what does it mean to hear the word? Romans 10, 17 said, faith comes by hearing, and hearing the word of God. Jesus said in John chapter 5, the 24 that he who hears my words and believes who, uh, who, who has who, um, 
if you hear my word and believe me, he said you have crossed from death to life just by hearing and believing. Okay. And then in Galatians chapter 3, verse 2, he says that the, uh, the miracles and all the things you see, did you receive it by the hearing of faith? Galatians chapter 3, verse 2. This only would I learn of you. Receive ye the, whole, the Spirit by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith. Hearing is important. Verse 5. He said, But he, uh, he, he therefore that ministers to you the Spirit and works miracle amongst you, does he, uh, doeth he it by the works of the law or by the, by the hearing of faith? So hearing. Faith comes by hearing. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 13. It talks about how we are sealed with the Holy Spirit when we heard it said and in whom also in whom ye also trusted after that ye heard the word of truth the gospel of yourself after ye heard so hearing plays a role when you hear God's word it has what it does for you and if I were you now in fact here talking about hearing of the preaching but hearing God's word is important nowadays thank God for technology you can have the Bible even on YouTube, you can be playing the Bible. On your phone, you can be playing the Bible. Sometimes it's good. You are driving. You are uh, cooking. You are doing something. It's good to have the Bible. I do that a lot. Have the Bible playing in the background. It's more important so that I can be hearing. Sometimes consciously or unconsciously. Always hearing. Sometimes I just play the same book over and over and over and over. This is how to lay hold on God's word. So here, some people have asked, Pastor, how come you remember so, so many scriptures because I give myself to scriptures. It's important. All right. So studying the Bible, this is how to do it. Keep hearing. Number two, read it. You have to read it. Deuteronomy chapter 17 verse 9. Thank you, Jesus. Deuteronomy 17, 19. I have it open here. That'll be faster for me. Thank you, Lord. Deuteronomy chapter 17, verse 19 says that um, and it shall be with him and he shall read therein all the days of his life and, and that he may learn to fear the Lord his God to keep all the ways of this law and these statutes to do them. So it's talking about um, he shall read the word. They're talking about reading the word of God and making sure you are doing it. There is a blessing that comes with reading the word of God. Psalm 119 verse 148. Mine eyes prevent the midnight watches that I might meditate on your word. I was f- my, the mid- my, I won't sleep because I want to open my eyes and read your word and meditate on your word. In 1 Timothy chapter 4 verse 13 to 15, till I come, give attendance to what? Reading. To reading. Give attendance to reading. Give attention to reading. Brothers and sisters, give atten- attention to reading. Till I come, give attention, uh, till I come give attendance to reading, to exhortation, to doctrine. You see, doctrine has appeared again. Neglect not the gift that is in thee, which was given thee by the by prophecy, uh, with the laying on of hands of, uh, of, of the prebytery. Meditate on these things. Give thyself wholly to them, that thy prophecy, thy prophecy may appear. The, the reason why you are not pro- a person is not profitable to God and in the things of God is because they are not giving themselves to reading and exhortation and doctrine. Give yourself to reading. Okay, so reading is a very important aspect of your Christian work and your uh, of our Christian work and our Christian life. In Second Timothy three fifteen, and that from a child thou hast known the holy scriptures. What have you known? The holy scriptures which are able to make thee wise unto salvation. The Holy Spirit, the holy scriptures will not doesn't guarantee to make you prosperous. Doesn't guarantee to make you rich. Does is not guaranteed to make you clever is guaranteed to make you wise when you give yourself to the holy scriptures it makes you wise psalm 119 verse 98 you have made me wiser than my instructors through your word it it takes the word to make you wise not clever wise wise to know how to handle your life your, your, your life now because of time i will leave it now and then in our next session i'll take my time 
to speak on the tools you need for Bible studies, how to go about Bible, uh, to read your Bible, how to go about reading your Bible, then I'll come to the main thing about studying, what it takes to study and how to have effective study, how to have proper, accurate interpretation of Scripture to be sound in Jesus' name. Amen. We thank God for using his servant, Reverend Dr. David Entry, to share this awesome word. If this message has blessed you in any way, please spread the word by sharing it and send us an email to amen at carries.org. Remember to stay connected with us on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube and Twitter for regular updates on what God is doing here at Carries Ministries. Stay blessed.